Hey, I just want to pause and say thank you so much for joining us today online to listen to our messages. If you just joined us, we're in a series called Mixed Emojis, and what we're looking at is how do we navigate the different emotions we face in all of our relationships? Probably today, if not this week, you've used one of those emojis, right? The heart eyes emoji, the angry emoji, the hand in the face emoji. Uh, we speak in emoji language through text messages. Well, uh, there's different emotions that we face, and that's why we call this series Mixed Emojis. So I hope you enjoyed today's message, and if you haven't, download our app or go to nextsteps.me for any information that you need about Thrive Church or visit our website at thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? It's great to be with you guys today. Um, if you're new here, I'm Kevin, lead pastor here at Thrive, and I serve with a teaching team here. Uh, one thing we don't do, which is not bad, is that we don't use video. We use live people up here, and uh, I'm glad to be part of that team. Also, too, um, the next several weeks, you'll be seeing some changes at our stage here, and I'm thankful for our creative arts team working so hard uh, with our stage design. I- I'll let you guys uh, watch it and see the things that are going to happen there, but Get ready for that. I'm really excited about the changes to the stage and things of that nature. We have people who come out and work all week to do these things. It just pumps me up to see people who will give their time and energy to make this place what it is. Amen? Well, today we're in a series, if you just joined us, called Mixed Emojis. And here's what we've been looking at for four weeks. If you haven't been with us, catch it online. We've been looking at how our emotions affect our relationships. One thing I can tell you what other people do to you or how they One thing you have control over is your emotions. You don't have control over what other people do to you or how they treat you, but you always have control over how you respond. So what I teach my son, who is five years old, and he can finish this sentence, and hopefully you can, is I will tell my son when he gets angry or his emotions are out of kilter, I'll say this. I said, Dawson, say this, I can choose my attitude, right? Will y'all just just help me with that? Can you say I can choose my attitude. So the next time somebody makes you mad or they cut you off in traffic and you want to give them the number one signal, you can pause and say, I can choose my attitude. So that's what we've been looking at, and especially in light of relationships. No matter if you're single, if you're married, divorced, or widowed here, this series can help you. And let me say this, if, if you're single and you may be or divorced and you're not in a relationship, never say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I've never seen a, a boxer start to prepare five minutes before a boxing match. Do you think they would win? Would you put your money on them? You brought me gambling, gambling, but would we do that? Would you do that? No. Same way when it comes to relationships, sometimes we wait way too long to get prepared. As a matter of fact, my mentor, who really poured into my life, started preparing me for a relationship way before my wife ever had a ring. We were just dating. We were courting. Uh, we knew it was going somewhere. So I would meet with him, and I would ask him questions. Whenever you meet with a mentor, don't show up talking to them. Always ask questions. That's where wisdom comes from. And so I met with him and asked him questions about relationships. And he told me this story. He said when they first got married on their honeymoon, they went to the Magic Kingdom. He said, I'll never forget, they're on this boat. I've never been to Disney. So they're on this boat, and they're going to cross like this waterway. And they're in in the Magic Kingdom, and they're arguing. They're fighting, like they are just yelling and screaming, and they're angry at each other. And he looks at her, and here's what he says. He says, even you can take the magic out of the magic kingdom. <laughs> Whoa, right? And so I was, I was intrigued. I said, well, how did you guys get past? I mean, that, that's pretty rough on your honeymoon. He said, no, the honeymoon was great, and everything's been good. He said, our marriage is strong. I said, what's the secret? 
He said, if you make the good times really good, the bad times won't be so bad. He said, make sure to make your good times really good. And then when the bad times come, they won't seem that bad. Oh, what I want to do today is I want to answer the question, what is, what is the most underrated attribute of all great relationships according to Scripture? What is the most underrated attribute? And you won't guess it because, let me tell you this, it's something that we never think of. However, with me or staff, we sit on the other side of those going through the divorce. And if you're divorced in here, we love you. God's got a plan for you. You're not second class. You are, 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 you're not junior varsity. But we have sat with people who have been through that are going through divorce. We've seen it. And the one thing every couple violates that goes through that is what I'm talking about today. And if you've got a copy of God's Word, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And this is written by Solomon. If you were here during uh, Christmas season, we did the Grinchy Christmas. If you weren't here, listen to that. We talked about cynicism. And the guy who wrote, the, uh, who, who wrote Ecclesiastes also wrote the Song of Solomon and Proverbs. Uh, Solomon was the wisest man ever, according to God. He wrote this book called The Song of Solomon, which was all about love, relationships, and, and, and sex, right? Within marriage. He rests the first book he wrote. He was young. He was excited. He was getting married. The next book he wrote was Proverbs, all about wisdom, all about knowledge and understanding. But Solomon began to disobey God. Solomon began to uh, go against the commands of God. He married many, many wives, which he was the wisest and dumbest man ever. I can, I can barely you know, handle one wife. She's, a, she's perfect, but, but it's tough, right? Isn't marriage tough? Like, it's not like, easy. And he had like hundreds of wives. So he like married all these women, disobeyed God. And then in his older years, he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes, which is a book that's not, not like something you should model your life after, but it gives us insight. He is a guy on the other side who is now cynical, who's jaded with life. He climbed the mountain of success. He got everything he ever dreamed of. And he gets there and says, what's the point? And so he actually gives us insight into relationships. In Ecclesiastes 9, uh, verse 9, here's what Solomon says as he's writing. He says, Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. Right? Like, that's not encouraging. Enjoy marriage with this meaningless, purposeless life. That's Solomon, and he's cynical. He goes on to say this. He says, The wife... Uh, he says, the wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. And I love what the NIV says. He says, enjoy your wife. Now, Solomon's kind of like this. He's like, hey, enjoy your spouse, you filthy animals. <laughs> Life is terrible, but at least try to enjoy marriage. I mean, he's just kind of talking about both sides of his mouth. But there's a principle in there. He says, enjoy your wife. Now, remember, he's on the backside of uh, of, of, of the 18, right? Like his golf and his life, he's, he's nearing the end of life, and he's looking back on his life, and he has a lot of regrets, a lot of cynicism. And you wonder why he doesn't just say, enjoy your spouse, right? He says, he's, like, he's speaking to men, enjoy your wife. Why is that? I personally believe, and Scripture doesn't say this, but I'm going to infer here due to deductive reasoning, he didn't enjoy his wife. In Song of Solomon, he meets this Shumalite woman, and we'll, we'll read more about that later on today. Who he's in love with. He's enraptured with her love. He's got the fuzzies in the stomach, right? You know those fuzzies, and you first meet somebody, you hold their hand, and you're just, you're just all giddy about them. He has that. But Solomon disobeys God and begins to marry many wives from other religions, which God said, don't do. 
And I wonder if Solomon on the backside of life looks back and says, man, I did not do the one thing that would have brought greatness to my relationship. I didn't live happily. I didn't enjoy. I didn't have fun. I think so many times there's an element in all relationships, whether it's parenting, whether it's friendships, and especially in marriage, that we miss. And I want to talk to you about this one word, and you're going to think, really, this is biblical? It is extremely biblical, and it's the one thing that sinks ships. I can tell you this is the one major thing, and it's fun. So if you have your notes handy, write this down, because here's what we have to take from this passage today. Here's what I'll lay out for you. It's this, turning today's moments into fun memories is the most undervalued attribute of great relationships. Say it again. Turning today's moments into fun memories is the most undervalued attribute of all great relationships. It's the word fun. See, do you understand something about life? That everything is turning into a memory the moment it happens. All life is is memories, right? That's all it is. Like, like there's a transaction always happening where you're trading your time for a memory. You're trading your energy for a memory. And so life just becomes this plethora of memories. Like when you get to the end of life, you're going to look back and all you have is just memories. Your relationships are all just memories that were moments at one point. And so what you have to realize is you're always turning moments into some kind of memories. The problem is, is we don't know how to turn them into the, the memories that will make the most eternal relationships. And that's fun. See, you can coexist in marriage. You can be roommates in marriage and never have fun. But let me say this, you can never have a powerful, great relationship without fun. Think about your best friend. Your best friend, y'all have had some fun together, right? There is, like, I love getting with my best friend, Brian Burgess, who's preached here several years ago. He's in Portsmouth, Virginia. And we, you know, he, he toured in, in, in the band with me for about a year. And we have some fun memories. One of the memories we have, we talk about, we just laugh. We sit around and just have a good time at night. Is that we, and don't judge me because we were in our early 20s at that point. And we were in a punk rock band. And so what we did was we actually wanted to see how fast could you go in a van with somebody on top hanging on, like, put off. We were talking, like, we were on tour. We were going somewhere. And we were like, hey, let's, let's do it. And so we got up there. <laughs> and we couldn't videotape. You didn't have cell phones back then. Our cell phones were brick phones, right? But he got on top, and he got to 40 miles per hour, and then he tapped the top, and we'd slow down. I got to 30. I could not make it to 40. Brian was much stronger than me. And we had this memory of that. Then we had this memory that we were in Baltimore, Maryland. It was nighttime. We had left a show, and Brian said, I want to, like, surf on the van going through Baltimore, Maryland. How epic would that be? I was like, let's do it. And so he just did one stoplight. He surfed, and we were all, like, trying to look out because, again, we didn't have phones. We couldn't take video of him. And he got in back in the van, and then a police car drove by and never saw us, right? They're just memory after memory. The time that we had, like, a little, we had this little airsoft gun. And like both of the bands that were touring, like, we like shoot each other and do all this stuff. And so my bass player decided at one point that he was going to pretend I was a hostage, right? And he's in the back. He's like, oh, you better listen to me. We're all laughing and joking. And somebody saw us. And guess what happened? We're on I-5 going from Oregon to California. And there are state troopers that surround us everywhere. We had, like, they pulled us. They thought it was a hostage situation. I could go on and on, but we have these memories that we could, that's what real strong relationships are made of. Now, we've had some really bad times, too. Matter of fact, my friend Brian and I have probably had the worst times of a friendship that I've ever had. But you know what we, what, what we laugh about when we get together? 
We laugh about the good times, and we even laugh at the bad times now because the good times were so good. And so if you want to have a great relationship, fun, intentional fun has to be a part. And that's biblical because Solomon, who didn't do that, said, enjoy your wife. Many times we tolerate our spouse, we tolerate our children, we tolerate the things around us. And we're always looking for those moments that, we're, that escape us when it comes to fun. So today I want to encourage you that whether you're pre-marriage, post-marriage, in marriage, wherever you're at, make this the number one thing. So here's the question that you've got to ask yourself. And here's something I actually ask pastors all the time because doing ministry together is not fun. Don't you even do that. He says, no. The question you've got to ask this, and you can write this down, is how much time do you spend on turning moments into memories? How much time do you spend? And let me say, not just memories, but fun. How much time do you spend turning moments into fun memories? How much time do you spend in that transaction with your children? Right? Did you have memories with them, experiences with them? Your spouse, experiences with them. For instance, like, like children, like my son, like, uh, he's only five, but he has, these, like, he has all these memories that we laugh about. He said the other day, he said, Dad, Dad do, do you remember? And this was like two years ago. He was only three years old. He said, do you remember when we were coming back from the pool and you were pushing me in my, in my blue car and you were going down the trail and those biting flies started chasing us? I said, yeah. He said, you remember you gave, me that, you gave me that leaf and I was doing like this? And he was in a little blue car. He's doing this, and I'm pushing with a gimp leg, running. I mean, running, and biting flies are all around us. They're tearing me up, and we laugh about that. We have memories. I'm, I'm thankful for my wife that pushes us into that. But in relationships, we say this, a lot of times parents can do that with their children. They do a good job. But what parents don't do is this. They don't do it with each other. Do you understand that when you take a vow in covenant in marriage, you're not taking a vow to your children. You vow to each other. You stand before God and say, we're not going to let let no man put asunder what God's put together. Let no person come in between. And sometimes even your children can do that. Sometimes we're so focused on our children that it actually our marriage is super weak. The only glue we have are these children. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for them, some people wouldn't even be together because they haven't focused on each other. See, your vow is not to a church or to ministry. When I, when I, when I took my vows to my wife, I didn't say, and we're, listen, our, and, and we're going to do this in ministry together. It has nothing to do with it. So here's what, what I've had to do in my life, and here's what we've done. When it comes to how much time do you spend doing this, number one, I will never let ministry ever get in the way of marriage. There's a lot of preacher's kids. You've always heard the jokes about preacher's kids. They grow up the worst, and they hate church. And many times, you know why? Because they thought they are competing with church. The wife feels like she's competing for attention, that the church is actually the spouse and she's the mistress. So for me, I've made sure in boundaries to say no so I can say yes. Let me go a step further. When it comes to my, our marriage, we are all about having fun together. That's actually my wife's spiritual gift. <laughs> I'm serious. We take a vacation once a year at least where we go together and we explore and have fun without our son. And he gets upset with us. Like, matter of fact, we were talking about our vacation in November, and he's like, and he heard us talking. He's like, but I want to go too because he loves going with us and hiking and doing all this stuff. I said, ah, oh, buddy, no, we're not. Because mom and daddy love each other, and we want to spend time with each other. 
you got to ask the question, how much time do you spend with your spouse or without other couples together having fun? I saw this as well. Some couples will get with other couples and have fun because they don't really enjoy each other. They don't, they don't, they don't know what to do in spending time with each other. They have no clue, like, like, like what will we do together? When is the last time, let me ask this, that you laughed so hard you cried? Together. See, fun and laughter are keys to a relationship. That's called enjoying it. And you have to, on your checklist, figure out how are we going to schedule fun in? Because when I ask pastors this, every one of them hang their heads low, and they're like, and these are pastors who are spiritual leaders. Remember one guy came back from a conference, he was asked that question. He said, my wife and I haven't had fun in months. We're doing God's work, but we're not having fun. And I'm going to tell you something. If you, when you ever sit down with reason, I've never seen a couple having fun, and they're looking at divorce. That's the reason. I've never seen a couple sit down that want to get divorced. They're like, man, we're having a blast. <laughs> I mean, man, we laughed so hard. Like the other day, we just laughed. Had such a good time. And I, I think we're just going to split. I've never seen friends do that. I've never seen children who just have fun with their, with their parents all the time doing things with them that hate their parents when they get out of, out of the house and don't want to come home. See, fun is so undervalued, right? And let me say this why it's so important. This is really key because of this here. I want you to write this down. Now, I'm going to explain this to you because some of you will look at me and you're going to you know, cock your head to the side and give me evil eye. But here's why this is so important. One of the reasons someone has an affair is because someone else has promised them fun they are not experiencing. Yeah, it got quiet in Thrive Presbyterian Church. And here's how I know this. There was a gentleman one time who said this to his pastor. When asked, why would you do this? Why would you do this? He said, I feel alive again. We laugh. We have fun together. Speaking of the person that he's having an affair with, he says, I hadn't had sex in two years. So it's like, she can't get her hands off of me. Now, none of that's a good reason to ever have an affair. Do you understand me? Like, like there's never a good reason, ever. There's never a reason. But do you understand that when fun is absent, that's what happens? Somebody else promises them something they're not getting. And it's fun. Because you will not find people who have fun together. And all the aspects we're going to talk about today, they end up getting a divorce. But you'll find people who have fun together. Those relationships are strong. Those relationships of laughter and fun are the ones who are the strongest. And it's not just with marriages. If you're not married, but also with children and friends and even church and your community, everything. So here's what I want to do today. There are three types of fun that you've got to focus on. Three types of fun. And we're going to look at Scripture. This isn't like three things Kevin came up with for a good self-help talk. This is from Scripture. So if you're like, where's the Scripture? Don't worry, you're going to get a lot of it. And we're going to look at the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon was the first book that Solomon had ever written. Somebody the other day posted on social media. They said, hey, does anybody have any um, recommendations for a good, like, clean romance novel? And you know what I said? I said, don't read Song of Solomon. <laughs> I don't have time to get into it, but it is, it is not the allegory of Christ and the church. 
It is, it is a book meant to show you that marriage is meant to have fun and intimacy and passion. It's God's design. Marriage was never supposed to be boring and routine. And so what Solomon, as this young guy writes, is this book called The Song of Solomon. And he actually shows us fun that we can have. So here are three types of fun every married couple must enjoy. Did y'all hear that? So if you date, don't, don't, be, don't, don't, don't say, oh, Pastor Kevin said this. These are three types of fun. Especially the third type is for marriage only. But the first type of fun is this. It's face-to-face fun. Face-to-face fun. And here's what, here's what Solomon writes. He's writing to the Shumalite woman, the one that he's uh, you know, betrothed to, that he's going to get married to. He says, how beautiful are your sandaled feet? When's the last time you talked to your wife about her feet, right? Like, girl, you got some beautiful feet. Oh, prince's daughter, your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman's hands. Your navel, I have never commented on my wife's navel, right? Like he's going, he's going, he's going for it, is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mount of wheat encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, some of y'all blushing. Twins of a gazelle. This is scripture, y'all. Don't look at me like that. It's the Bible. Your neck is like an ivory tower. I don't know if that's a compliment or not because towers are long, and I'm not sure what he's saying. Your eyes are like pools of Heshbon by the gates of Bath-Rabim. But here's what you do notice. He's talking about her to her. One of the things you've got to do as a couple is have face-to-face fun. As parents, face-to-face relationship. Face-to-face is not watching a movie together. Face-to-face is not letting your, your, your faces being lit up by the glow of the screen doing this. Face-to-face is having dinner together. It's talking to each other. It's having a meaningful, intimate conversation with each other. Like one of the ways my wife and I get face-to-face time is when in the mornings, our son gets a bath, and we actually get a shower at the same time, and we talk to each other because he's not bothering us, right? So we actually get a chance to talk, and we get everything we can in. You just talk face. But you've got to have face-to-face time where you're having a meaningful conversation, where you're doing, it, you're doing this not something together, but you're talking to each other face-to-face. Here's the second type of fun that every couple must enjoy, and that's side-to-side fun. And in Song of Solomon 7, verse 11, he says, Come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Meaning that they wanted to explore the villages, seeing the nightlife of what was happening. They wanted to explore together. I believe every couple should go on adventures together. You should explore places together, have these experiences together. Because, again, what are you doing? You're turning moments into memories, fun memories. And so, again, my wife and I, who used to live right here in the north side, we went and had breakfast at the mill this morning in MacArthur. We're talking about the fun memories we had of the north side, right? Exploring the city together. See, friendship, relationship, and marriage especially, and even with your children, invite them into the things you love to do and let them experience it with you. One of the worst things we do is we let just children have their things and we do it with them, but we never say, hey, I want you to come do this, what we love. We love to hike. So guess what our five-year-old son loves to do? I mean, what loves? He loves to hike. And as a couple, you've got to do that. Explore together. Go have fun. When's the last time you took a vacation? Your life is actually to, you've got to think about when do we do that for you guys that have children? And for you that don't, maybe for you, you're spending all your time at work. 
but side-to-side fun, face-to-face fun, side-to-side fun, doing things, having experiences together that you have memories of. Because remember, if you make the good times good, what happens to the bad times? They're not so bad. And here's the, the, third, the third part, and some of you are going to blush, some of you get angry, some of you will decide this is not the church for you. The third type is belly button to belly button fun. It's in the Bible. It's, I'm serious. And I'm going to explain something. You, you can get mad at me and look at me all you want to. I'm going to explain something to you why this is important, because on the other side of pastoring, I have to deal with it, not you. And here's what Solomon says in, in uh, Song of Solomon 7, verse 11 and 12. Come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us, let us go early into the vineyards to see if the vines have budded. He's speaking a lot, a lot of allegory here. I won't go into it. If their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom, and there I will give you my love. And look at Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. And this is scripture. May your fountain be blessed. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Where the pulpit is silent, people struggle. And there's two areas that people struggle in in relationships, and it's money and it's intimacy. The greatest stress you'll ever have in relationships is money. I think kids, too, they come along, right? Add that. It's money. That's why if you go through premarital counseling with one of our staff here, guess what? We're going to look at your budget. How do you plan to handle it? How much debt are you in? Because stress will destroy the best of any relationship. And so if we don't talk about those things, you're going to struggle. And if I don't talk about this, this issue here, you're going to struggle because I've never seen this either. Let me just tell you, you can look at me you know, side-eyed and upset and all that stuff. Here's, I've never seen a couple sit down with myself or a staff member and say, man, we have the best bedroom life ever, but we want a divorce. It is so quiet in here. I have, and do you understand this? Satan didn't create sex, y'all. Do you understand that? Do you know who created it? God did, and then Satan perverted it. And he's used it against us. And in the covenant of marriage, it is a gift from God. And let me say this, because some of you are all like, yeah, this is all, it's all men want. Well, men only want one thing that's easy. I have no clue what women want. <laughs> My wife wants like 10 things. I'm trying to figure it all out. But y'all women, you got it, you got, like, you got it made, right? Like that's like, you got it made. But I've never seen this. I've never seen a couple that won't divorce that are having fun in these three areas. And can I say this? If you're not having face-to-face and side-to-side fun, guys, you need to stop wondering why you're not having belly-button-to-belly-button fun because you're not investing. It doesn't start in the bedroom. It starts outside of it. And so you're wondering, why would he preach on this? Because I'm tired of seeing relationships that are so weak I'm tired of seeing relationships that are ravaged by the enemy. Some of you that are, that are not married yet. I started studying all this before I ever got into marriage. I was reading books before I ever got into it. Some of you who are divorced, and we talked about last week, you got to leave Saul behind so you can, so you can you know, get David. That you need to stop being so hurt by your past that you're hearing this message saying, well, this isn't for me. I don't want it. Because when, when God does send somebody for you and it's time, you're like, oh, no, no, what did that bald-headed guy say? Oh, what was that at you? Oh, no. I wasn't paying attention. I, I thought I never, well. And then we get in trouble. My heart is this. I don't have to preach on this, guys. Nobody's told me I, I, I have to. I love all of you enough 
to give you something that's going to help you. And some of you as couples need to sit down and figure out, you know, where are we rated on face-to-face, side-to-side, and belly-button-to-belly? Where are we at in those things? Because if you're not intentional on having biblical fun, which this is all biblical, then the enemy will creep into your relationship. So in closing, here's what you've got to do. To get what you once had, you've got to do what you once did. Does that make sense? Like, I'll sit down and I actually, because you do not want to come to me. Well, I'm not saying don't, but like, I'm going to be harsh with you. Like, I see couples who married and, and, and they sit down and they hate each other. And I want to be like, what did, why in the world did y'all ever get married? And nobody's ever like, yeah, we always hated each other. I went on that eye and I was like, oh, God, this guy's going to be a jerk. Right? We never think that way, but we end up that way. One of the things that you got to think about is what originally attracted me to this person. And we talked about in, in the second week about what you once idolized, you end up demonizing. The very thing you loved about that person in the beginning is the very thing you end up hating about them. So the guy's like, I'm so happy she's so detailed and organized. She keeps everything straight. And then 10 years later, she's controlling. She handles all the money and she won't let you know. Like, and, and the woman's like, I'm just so happy that he's so laid back and he just, uh, just, just, he just doesn't do anything. I love it. Whatever I want to do, he does. And then 10 years later, she's like, he won't do anything. I have to make him do everything. Like, you know, like, and we end up, we forget about why we were attracted to that person in the first place. I want to be like, why in the world did y'all ever get together? And if I ask them, here's what they'll say. Oh, here's what attracted me. See, you've got to, sometimes to get what you once had, you've got to do what you had done before. As a matter of fact, Jesus speaks to a church about this. There was a church in Ephesus who had actually, had actually lost their first love. They had become spiritually dull in their covenant with God and the relationship with Christ. And so Jesus actually here says to them this. He says, yet I hold this against you in Revelation 2, verse 4. He says, you have forsaken your first love, and this is spirit, and do the things you did at first. This is key for any relationship, especially your relationship with God. That's like when we get to, to the Easter season, we're going to talk a lot about the gospel. And many of us don't enjoy our relationship with God because we forgot of being redeemed, of being rescued. When it comes to your relationship with your spouse, think about how far you've fallen. Think about how far you drifted. And then think about, man, this is what attracted me. I tell guys all this all the time. If, if, if you want to fight porn, I'm going to be honest here in church, man. This is real. If you, if you really want to fight that as a husband, here's what you do. You think about her coming down that aisle and how you like teared up and how beautiful she was and the trust she had for you and how she looked at you with trust and with love. And when you, when you view that and you think about that memory, that will protect you. You may think, why in the world is this guy talking about this in church? Because the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And there's two covenants God has established on this earth. The first is salvation through Jesus Christ. And he wants to destroy that covenant relationship you have with God. He wants to ruin it for you. And then the second covenant is the marriage between a man and a woman that, that God established in Genesis and then in Matthew. Jesus talked about it. And he wants to destroy that as well. It's only two covenants God sees on all of earth. And Satan knows that. 
So I want to encourage you. In all your relationships, use this as a guideline. Make the, time, make the good times really good. Bad times won't be that bad. Turn every moment into a fun memory. So when you get to the end of your life, you're not like Solomon. You're saying, man, life was meaningless. Life was meaningless. You can make your life meaningful. And you can make your relationships and your marriage that way too. Let's pray this morning. God, we ask for your presence in this place today to speak to every one of our hearts, Lord. Not everybody's married in here. Not everybody has children. But God, we all have relationships. I pray first of all, Lord, for those who are married in here, that you, Lord, would help them to forgive each other, to mend with each other, and have fun with each other, Lord. Protect every marriage in here from the enemy. And may we do the hard work of investing, God, in our marriages and relationships. I pray, God, right now for people in here who aren't married, whether widowed, divorced, or single, that, God, you would use this principle to help them in every relationship of their life, God. That they would invest this one principle that you've shown us in Scripture that we never look at a fun. And Father, finally, for all of us in here, I just, I just pray this, God, that we would have fun in our relationship with you. That we would actually enjoy you, God. That we wouldn't tolerate you or have to feel like reading the Bible and praying is arduous. But God, once again, we would think about when we first gave our life to you, when we first surrendered to Christ, the fire, the passion we had, and that, God, you would restore that to people in this church today, that they would return to their first love, which is you, God. And may they return to spiritual intimacy. And, God, may they enjoy you in their life. I pray that. And today as we're praying, church, maybe you walked away from your relationship with God. Maybe you did your own thing. Maybe you started calling your own shots, and today you've come back to Thrive Church because you want to commit your life to Christ or you want to recommit your life to Christ and today wherever you're at whoever you are in here God has brought you here for a purpose and a reason and it's this reason today that it's time to get back in the game it's time to give your life to Christ so if that's you right where you're sitting it's very simple you I want you to pray this prayer make this confession of faith after me so right where you're sitting pray this prayer you say God I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I cannot save myself by being good. But today, I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. Not only for the sins of the world, but for my sins and failures personally. Today, God, forgive me. I make Jesus my Lord. I turn from my old life. I receive full forgiveness of sins. And it's in your good name that I pray. Amen.